Well, my name is Mark Schuler. I'm the pastor of Adult Ministries here at Harvest. I have the privilege of opening up God's Word uh, to you today. And so as we get started, let me ask you this question. Uh, church, can you think of a time that you desperately cried out to God for help? I can remember back in 2001 crying out to God for the very first time, God, save me, a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I can remember in 2005, gathering up as a family in the living room and putting my hand on my dad's shoulder and, and calling out to God, crying out to God, God, please heal my dad of his cancer. I can remember in 2010, uh, calling out to God, crying out to him for, for direction and pastoral ministry of where he wanted me and my family to go serve him. I don't know if Stacy knows this one or not, but... In 2013, with our son Josh, when her water broke in the middle of the night, I can remember crying out to God, God, please don't let this baby come before we get to the hospital. And then driving in Texas to the hospital like a total madman, crying out with every rapid contraction, God, please. How about you? You think of a time in your life where you cried out to God in your desperate need? Because this morning we're going to meet a man who cried out to God for help and healing. Nowhere else to turn, no other hope but Jesus, in desperate need of a miracle, and he encounters the Lord of all. So grab your Bible. Let's go to Mark 1. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Our ushers will be happy to get you a copy. They will be coming forward with uh, Bibles there. Just raise your hand. Mark chapter 1 is where we're going to be. We're going to be in verses 40 to 45 today. Verses 40 to 45. Mark chapter 1, just raise your hand there. They'll get you a copy of God's Word. Well, before we jump in, let me just pray uh, one more time that God would teach us this morning from His Word, that He would guide us and lead us to practical application of His truth. And as I do that, please pray for me. I've been feeling a little bit under the weather this weekend, and so appreciate your prayers as I pray uh, for you. Father, we do call out to you. We cry out knowing that you are a God who is near, who always hears our prayer. And I just pray, God, that you would teach us this morning from your word. Thank you for the privilege that we get to hold a copy of your word in our hand. And I pray that you would use it powerfully in the life of each person here, oh God. God, I pray that you would speak so personally to them and you would make your name great. In Jesus' name, amen. So first point here, if you're taking notes, is this cry out to God. Cry out to God. Jesus and the leper is what we're going to look at. When I need a miracle in my life, i got to cry out to God. Look what it says here now. Look closely. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. In chapter 1 of Mark's gospel, we see Jesus is going around the region of Galilee. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's casting out demons, he's healing. And one day, somebody approaches him. Somebody comes up to him, but it's not some average, ordinary member of society. It's a leper. It's a leper. Now, I need to give you some background here on this leper and what's going on. Because as you understand the context and see all of this, it is going to be awesome by the time we finish and I show you what all is happening with this leper and what it was like to have leprosy in Jesus' day. So the word leprosy, here we go, comes from the Greek lepros, meaning scaly. Uh, leprosy in biblical times was used to designate a wide variety of skin diseases. And so whatever form of leprosy this guy has, we, knew from, we know from Luke's gospel, Luke 5, that he's 
full of leprosy. He's full of leprosy. He's, he's full of it. He's what, church? He's full of it. He's full of it. And maybe the leprosy that he has is what we know of today as Hansen's disease, a slowly developing progressive disease that damages the skin and the nervous system. It's caused by an infection of bacteria. In fact, I read this this week. Listen to this. With this disease, I quote, it attacks the skin, the mucous membrane, the peripheral nerves, especially near the wrists, the elbows, the knees. It forms lesions on the skin. It can disfigure the face by the collapsing of the nose, causing the folding of the skin. It's why some used to call it lion's disease. You think about the skin folding on the face. Okay? Not only that, but due to the loss of feeling, especially in the hands and feet, people with this disease can wear away their extremities and faces unknowingly. Back in Jesus' day, leprosy was a horrific disease that disassociated you and disfigured you. And because of the uncleanness of it in God's sight, it made it greatly feared. They were outcasts. They were completely outcasted from society. And we know that God gave the Israelites some special instructions in Leviticus 13 and 14 on how to deal with leprosy and other skin diseases. By Jesus' time, the religious leaders added to those terms, making matters worse. Let me say a few more things here. Lepers were forbidden strictly to come near other people. That's why you see in Luke 17, the 10 lepers, they're, they're standing at a distance. Okay? Also, lepers weren't allowed to go within six feet of people, including their own family. Also, when a leper would come along onto someone, he would have to shout, unclean, unclean, so everybody knew that he was coming because he was defiled. How sad, how lonely, how embarrassing. In fact, if you're far away from a leper, they used to wear special or ripped clothes so that, so that when people were far away, they could see you and they could move in a different direction. One story tells of a rabbi who refused to buy an egg on the same street where there's a leper. There was another story that told of lepers, uh, or rabbis throwing stones at lepers just to get them away from them because they, they were defiled. So great was the fear of contagion that lepers, they were considered ceremonially unclean before God. Nobody wanted to go near them because of that, and they were barred from walled cities like Jerusalem and others. Finally, many uh, believe that God inflicted the disease of leprosy on people because of their sin. We see that uh, Numbers 12.10, Miriam had leprosy. According to rabbinic teaching, leprosy was second only to contact with a dead body in terms of defilement. And this quote sums it up. Alfred Edersheim, a Jewish convert to Christianity, says this in his commentary on Luke. Listen to this now. Not merely actual contact with the leper, but even his entrance defiled a habitation and everything in it to the beams of the roof. Even if he put his head into a place, it became unclean. Even if he, he put his head into a place, the whole place is unclean. And so now you know how horrific leprosy was. And all that's really important to understand the information that surrounds the circumstances of this man in his dire situation. This man who what? Came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. It says he came to him. Because understanding all that, now we know this leprosy is like being a walking corpse. It's like being a living death. I mean, can you imagine if this was you? Cut off from society except for other diseased people. Imagine if you could never hug your family members again. Come near them. Imagine the constant stigma of, of sin and punishment that you were labeled with. Imagine the sure expectation that awaited your rotting body. Well, the word desperate comes to mind. 
This is a desperate, desperate leper. And so what he does here is shocking and awesome. He goes to Jesus. He goes to Jesus. Church, he's not supposed to do that. We understand that now with the context. He's not supposed to go near people, but nothing's going to stop him. Jesus is his only hope. This is a desperate cry. This is a desperate move. Read this again in the context. Look what he does. Look what he says. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Luke's gospel gives us a little bit further detail here, maybe into his heart of worship. We don't know. But Luke's gospel tells us that not only does he fall on his knees, he falls down on his face. And he calls him Lord. So God gave us an imagination. Let's go ahead and use it. Imagine this guy now, shunned from society. Jesus is walking. What do the disciples do? Do they flee? Do they run? Is everybody going? And this guy comes up to Jesus and he falls down on his face. And he begs him. He implores him. He beseeches him. He cries out in desperation, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He believes that Jesus can. Instead of saying unclean, unclean, he says, you can make me clean. Now look at the picture here. What is this? But a desperate cry in a position of flat-out prostrate dependence and reverence and humility and faith. There's nothing that should keep you from going to God in your desperate situation. Nothing. Take a lesson from the leper. Take a lesson from the leper. Against all everything he goes, against all people, he would have been labeled a sinner, and people would have been shocked and appalled that he approached Jesus. Against all people he goes, against all sin he goes, labeled a sinner by many. Against all guilt. How long was he dealing with this? The guilt of this disease in his body, against all everything, against all odds, against everything and everyone that shouted in his life, listen, no hope for you, no hope, just death, no hope for you. He encounters, he approaches, he cries out, he falls down before the living hope, church, Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what you need to do in your desperate situation, whatever you're here with today. Call out to him. Cry out to God. Pour out your heart before him, O peoples, for God is our refuge, the scripture says. He's near to the brokenhearted. Call out to God. He knows you. He knows your situation perfectly. He knows everything about it, and he is a perfect God. Psalm 50, 15 has been a comfort to me in times of difficulty. Call upon me in the day of trouble, it says. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Love that. Our God is a God who tells us to ask, seek, and knock. He says, come near to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, near to the brokenhearted, God of all compassion. Take a lesson from the leper. Don't let anything keep you from going to God. And the response of Jesus ought to jumpstart your voice. Look what happens now. And a leper came to him imploring and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. What's Jesus going to do? Moved with pity. That word there also means compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Jesus is moved with overwhelming compassion for this man. We see that clearly from verse 41. He reaches out his hand and he touched him and says, I will be clean. It says he's moved with pity. New American Standard, if you have that in your lap, says moved with compassion, NIV filled with compassion. Jesus is so moved 
with compassion over this man. What does he do? See, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. Think about that. This is a leper. Maybe this is the first time he's ever been contacted by someone who doesn't have the disease since he got the disease. Jesus touches him. And unlike other rabbis who wanted to what, wing stones maybe at him, Jesus comes up and puts his hand on him, a heart of compassion. He touches him. What must that have been like to have Jesus stand there and have him come up and fall down and him put his hand on him and say to him, I will be clean. I mean, he didn't have to. He didn't have to heal him. More importantly, he didn't have to do it that way. He didn't have to touch him. We read in John's gospel that Jesus healed a royal official's son in a different city. He could have just said the word. The guy would have been healed, but instead he puts his hand on him and touches him. And I read this week, listen, this is what the incarnation is all about. It's the pure and holy God who reached down to touch our dirty world and to walk our dirty streets and to die on our dirty cross. It's about Jesus intersecting our dirty lives to make us clean and pure from our dirty sin. This is the God of love. This is the God of compassion. He felt it. He felt it for that leper. I want you to think about physical touch here and how compassion and a touch are associated. Think about this for a moment. Think about when you're praying with somebody and you just maybe just reach out your hand and you put it on their shoulder and how that communicates love. How about with your kids? You know, you, you go and sit down and your kids come up to you and you grab them and put them up in your lap and snuggle up with them and how that communicates love to them. How about when someone falls? Somebody falls down and you reach down with your hand and just touch their hand and help them back up. How much that communicates love and tenderness and mercy and friendship and even a simple high five, right? The physical touch, how that communicates friendship and thanks and help and I think it's interesting, church, when we look at the compassion of God and how that's associated with the physical touch of Jesus. There's no less than eight times in Mark's gospel that Jesus reaches out his hand and touches needy people and demonstrates his love and his power and his compassion in their life. For example, you ask, well, where's that? Well, I brought some along. Mark 1.31, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law by picking her up by the hand. Mark 1.41, he stretched out his hand here and touches the leper. It's the passage we're in. Jesus, you remember, heals Jairus' daughter by taking her by the hand, Mark 5, 41. He laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, Mark 6, 5. Jesus healed a deaf man by putting his hands on him, Mark 7, 33. He healed a blind man at Bethsaida by laying his hands on him, Mark 8, 23. Jesus repeatedly took children into his arms to bless them, Mark 9, 36, Mark 10, 16. And finally, Jesus took a demon-possessed boy to the, by the hand and healed him, Mark 9, 27. This is the compassion of God. This is the power of God. This is the touch of God. God in the flesh. You know, I can remember a pastor once telling the story about how an unbeliever came into his church and he began to counsel him. And the the unbeliever said this. Listen to this now. He, He had told him that he used to go get his hair cut once a week just so somebody would touch his hair. He had he had no wife, he didn't belong to any church, he had no friends. This guy needed a touch from the Savior, a touch of compassion. What is more now, church? A touch of connection to a living God by faith. That's what he needed. 
a touch of connection to a living God by faith that would culminate in an eternal relationship with the God of all compassion forever. We all need that. I mean, how, why, how good would it be to, to be totally healthy here on earth but to die in our sins? We can't forget that our greatest need is to be cleansed from our sin. It's why Christ, who knew no sin, came to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. It's why Jesus came. The leprosy that this man had was only a greater manifestation of his greater problem. He was inflicted with the sin of Adam, just like all of us. And we need Christ. And so Jesus entered this world to die for you and me. Do you know that truth today? That Christ came. Christ died. Christ rose again for you. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Listen now, who loved me? Who loved me? Who gave himself for me? Who gave himself for me? Christ came that you could have everlasting life, forgiveness of sins, to be cleansed from your sin, but that's only through faith. Repentance and faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to salvation. It's only through Christ, and I hope you know that truth today. Have you cried out for the forgiveness of your sins? That's the most important question I could ask you today. Have you cried out to be forgiven of your sin? And you don't have to worry if God is willing or not. He is willing. How do you know, Pastor? He went to the cross, scorning its shame, endured the cross by joy for you and I. And so if you've cried out and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, now you can cry out a different cry. It's the one that David cries out in Psalm 32. He said, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. He says, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Church, this is our compassionate God. This is our compassionate God. Compassionate God. Say it with me. Compassionate God. Say it again. Compassionate God. And so you can trust him. You can trust his character in every aspect of your life. Look, even when you cannot see the hand of God, you can trust the heart of God. Even when you cannot see the hand of God in your life, you can trust the heart of God. You can trust in his character. You can cry out to him. You can number three. Rely on God's power. Rely on God's power, verse 42. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. This is awesome. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. This verse here now is sovereign love that leads to sovereign power. And Mark uses one of his favorite words in the gospel. If you read it, he uses that word immediately all the time. And so here he says, immediately it left him. Immediately Immediately, how fast did the leprosy leave him again? I forget. Immediately, immediately, and immediately the leprosy left him. This is one of the characteristics of Jesus' healing ministry. It's total, it's complete, and it's immediate. For example, Matthew 8, he heals the centurion's servant. It says in Matthew 8, and the servant was healed at that very moment. It's immediate. Mark 5, the woman with the discharge of blood, it says immediately, what was that word again? Immediately the flow of blood dried up. Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethsaida. At once the man was healed. And so Jesus didn't like typically cure the cough but leave the runny nose kind of a thing. Okay, this was total. This was complete. This was immediate. 
even raising people from the dead in an instant to life again. And I want you to think about this for a moment. Go ahead and put yourself in the text again. And I want you to imagine this leper. We covered all that background on what leprosy was like and what this guy was dealing with. Now think about this for a moment. It says here again, immediately the leprosy left him. And so I wrote this down. His feet, were, were they toeless and in a moment whole again? Imagine what this was like for the leper and all those who got to see it. Were his fingerless hands in a blink restored to normal? Was his face horrific and disfigured and in a flash once again handsome? Was his hoarse and distorted voice that would happen to lepers, was his, was his distorted voice returned to singing form again? Did the people in a breathtaking moment see his hair, his eyebrows, his eyelashes restored in an instant? Did his skin in an instant go from repulsive and broken to soft and clean? Did this leper go from crying out, unclean, unclean, to, to you can make me clean, to I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean, Jesus, I'm clean. What a sight this must have been. How awesome. And so I want to say this to you. You, you can trust God in all your illness and all your disease and all your sickness too. You can rely on his power and trust in his character and call out to him. You know, being in pastoral ministry now for a little over 10 years, I've seen God heal and I've seen God choose not to heal. I can remember being a pastor in Houston and we as elders praying for um, a guy in our congregation, a 65-year-old man who had cancer, and months later, gone, healed. But I also remember standing at the gravesite, burying a 30-year-old man with his mom weeping next to me. And so sometimes God chooses to heal and sometimes he doesn't. As I read once, God heals in his own time, by his own means, for his own glory, and according to his own sovereign will and pleasure. But you can rely on God's power in your sickness. It's a power that if God chooses to not only heal you, but it's also a power if he chooses not to, to take you through it. To take you through it, to be near to you. His grace is sufficient in your weakness. He goes through it with you. He demonstrates his power in your pain. And you can trust his character and you can trust his word. And his word tells us that our ultimate healing and the glorification of our body is going to be found in Christ as we cross over into eternity. Listen now, immediate healing is possible, but it's not guaranteed. Eternal healing is guaranteed in Christ alone. It is, and it's one of the reasons we long for heaven and we long for Jesus. And so, let me say this to you. If you're here today struggling, difficulty, and cancer, and pain, and suffering, and hurting, and trial, and trust Christ in it. Trust Jesus Christ in it. And honor him either way and glorify God. Paul said it like this. He said, it is our eager expectation and hope that we will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in our body, whether by life or by death, for to us to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
Philippians 1.20. Romans 8.18, Paul said it like this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, what's coming? Cry out to God, trust in his character, rely on his power. Finally now, tell of God's works. <clears throat> tell of God's works. This so. He comes up to him, he falls before him, Jesus stretches out his hands, he says, I will, he heals him in a, immediately, in a moment, and now, this is interesting, Jesus sternly charged him, verse 43, and sent him away at once, and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a, remember this now, for a proof to them, for a proof to them, we'll talk about that in a second. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So he sends the guy off and his commands are interesting. They're just the opposite of what we'd think. Be honest, right? You read it and you're like, well, I thought he'd say, like, go be a witness for me. Go tell everybody the gospel of me. Go tell them what I did for you. But he doesn't. He gives them a very different command, two of them. Say nothing to anyone, number one. Number two, go show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded. So why not tell anyone? Let's deal with that one first. Why not tell anyone? Well, at that point in Jesus' ministry, he doesn't, you see, he doesn't want to just be labeled as a miracle worker. Okay? And he's not ready to go to the cross yet, and he wants the ability to go from town to town openly and to preach and to teach and to share which would all be hindered if everybody just gathered around him all the time and the religious leaders. and That's why Mark 145 says he could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places. This guy went out and told everybody, and so now he's being sought after by many. Second now, why does he go to the priest like Moses commanded in Leviticus 14? We see when a man was healed of leprosy by God, there was an Old Testament process of examination and sacrifice and worship and offering that was done at the, temp, uh, the temple. So why, why is Jesus say, go, go do that? Well, this man's going to be a personal witness to the high priesthood of Jerusalem. This is awesome. He's going to be a testimony to them specifically. That's what Jesus wants. Why? Well, like we said before, if having leprosy is like being a walking corpse, then being healed of leprosy in, in a moment is what? Like being raised from the dead? He's been cured completely. And so these religious authorities now, these leaders are going to have to deal with this healing, and they're either going to have to ascribe it to God, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, or they're going to have to reject him as God, which is what they do. But what does the leper do? Verse 45, he went out and began to talk freely about it. He goes out and begins to talk freely about it. He responds with zeal and excitement and joy. And he can't help but speaking about what he'd seen and heard. And he goes out and he tells everybody. So he kind of responded in disobedience to what Jesus told him. You see, he was supposed to tell no one but the priest. He went out and told everyone except the priest. So he goes and tells everyone, but he was supposed to tell no one. What about us? We're supposed to tell everybody. But sometimes we tell no one. We encounter Jesus at salvation and then encounter all kinds of people throughout our life, but when have we freely talked about it? 
You know, when we moved here from Houston uh, back in May, we moved into a neighborhood and our kids, uh, who are six and five, that's their ages, not their names, all right, Kate is six, uh, Brooke is five, and uh, we wanted them to meet some friends and stuff on the na- in the neighborhood, and so one day I remember they're, they're playing in the backyard, and uh, they, uh, my one daughter says to this kid, um, hey, do you love God? And the kid says, well, no, actually, I don't believe in God. And so then my other daughter says, well, why don't you come to church with us and you can learn all about him? And it was, it was sweet and it was a, a proud dad moment and it was, it was also a learning opportunity for me that God used in my life. And it's that just be bold. Just speak up in love and kindness and tell people about God. Tell them about Jesus with the faith of a child. Don't, don't be fearful. Don't be embarrassed. Just stand up for God and simply talk about him like the leper who went out freely and talked about Jesus. The, the scripture says he who wins souls is wise. Just be wise and loving and kind and speak the truth in love. We need to tell of God and tell of his salvation and tell of his works. Look, what a privilege we have. What an awesome thing that, that God would desire to use us in the life of somebody else. How cool is that, that we get to do that? And I want you to think about this for a moment. Maybe the testimony of what God does so powerfully in our lives isn't just for us. It's that the world may know Jesus. Maybe the way that he's transforming and the things that he's doing in our life isn't just for us, but for the world to know Jesus Christ is Lord. Go and tell. Go and tell. What a cool thing that we get to do that. David proclaimed it like this. He said, Psalm 40, verse 5, You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. Listen to what he says now. He says, I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. I love that. I will proclaim and tell of them that they are more than can be told. Church, like many others in the Bible, the leper, he couldn't help but speak about what he had seen and heard. This was a desperate, dying man who was transformed through the power, love, compassion, grace, and might of God. Our God. Our God, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as the worship team comes forward, why don't you just bow your head and close your eyes, and I don't want to miss this moment. I want to ask you, where are you at today? God so sovereignly brought you into this place today to hear of this scripture today. Where are you at? Are you desperate for God to do something powerful in your life? Are you, truth be told, limping into this place, hanging on by a thread, dealing with such a struggle in your life right now? Well, I say again, cry out to God. Cry out to God. He is ever-present. He is able. He is here now. 
Where would I go to possibly flee from you, O God? You are down in the depths. You are highest in the heavens. Cry out to God. He hears the cry of the righteous. He's the God who tells us to ask and seek and knock. And as you cry out, trust in his character. Maybe if you were being honest right now, you would say, and God knows your thoughts and he knows your heart, and you would just say, like, I haven't been believing that God is for me. I've been doubting, I've been struggling, I've been wrestling with knowing God's love for me. Trusting that he is the God of love and the God of all mercy, like the scripture says. Look, those who put their hope in him will never be put to shame. You'll never be disappointed. Church, he remembers that we are but dust. He knows our frame. He knows our needs. He knows your need before you even ask. He knows every hair on your head. You as his child through faith in Jesus Christ, his son, his daughter, when you ask him for bread, no way would he give a stone. Look, every act of faith in God is a leap in the right direction. Trust him today. Trust his character. Even if you can't see what he's doing, even if you can't see his hand, you can trust his heart. Every step of faith is a leap in the right direction towards God. Rely on his power, church. He can do it. He can. If he so chooses in his sovereign will, he can do it. He is mighty. He knows all, can do all. The end of ourselves is the beginning of our strength in him. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Are you weak today? Let Jesus fill you with his strength and his power and his grace let him pour out hope into your life. His power and love are seen at the cross and at the empty tomb. So no matter how bad your physical need may be, you have the blessed hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ on our behalf at the cross. We have resurrection power. This is Christ in us, church, the hope of glory. Pain and struggle promised. His ever presence promised as well. Though you go through the fires, I will be with you. Cry out and trust and rely and tell of God's works. Tell this world of Jesus Christ. God is too great to keep under our hat. He's too eternally important to hide under our fears and insecurities. Even if the world doesn't want to know, it needs to know He's our only hope. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The God of our salvation. The Lord saves. And we get to be ambassadors for the God of the universe privilege. And so whatever you're dealing with today, cry out, trust, rely, and tell, and know that Jesus can. Nothing is impossible for him. He is God. There is no other. And so trust in God and that Jesus can. In fact, why don't we stand together now and why don't we sing this song as an anthem over our life as we trust in him.